Good afternoon. You're listening to Cannabis Corner on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, broadcasting live from downtown New Haven. We are streaming live on TuneIn Radio and NewHavenIndependent.org. We're also streaming live video on Facebook. Just go to Facebook.com slash New Haven Independent or Green Haven Media. Or go to your Facebook page, look us up, and hit see first so you can watch all, watch and hear all the other great programs that we have here on WNHH. Uh, so it is Monday, November the 7th. I'm your host, Joe Lachance, and I am joined by my co-host, Uncle Lou, Lou Vega. How are you today, Lou? Hey, how's it going? Good, sir. Enjoying the day. <clears throat> Another one of those beautiful days here in Connecticut. We're having we're having quite the weather here, you know. Daylight savings time kind of moved over. We're going to bed early, waking up early. There's no light. There's a little bit of light. You're, this is that time where you're driving to work in the dark and coming back home from work in the dark. So you know how New England is, but it's still 79 degrees right now. Wow, that's about what it is here. <laughs> so, so you guys are doing all right over there. You're having a little bit of Indian summer, a little daylight uh, savings. They, whatever type of summer. Yeah. Oh, yes, that's right. I forgot. A uh, late summer house. <laughs> we got to change all our terms, but that's for the better. That's for right. Because in the uh, American uh, Native Indigenous. I wasn't going that far, but you know what I mean. We yeah, they're to, not from India. Late summer, where it, but we might have a really cold winter. That's what the almanac is saying, though. You know, once it starts to turn over the almanac, it, that's one of the cool things that we have at our disposal is those farmer almanacs. They help give a help good idea. Predict, yeah. yeah, they help you give a really good idea of what the seasons are going to be like. And especially for people who may not understand or know what a farmer's almanac is. Look that stuff up really easy on the internet. Look up yep, your. I think they have even a version on the internet now. Yeah, just right. You can literally just Google it, and it just gives you information about your zone historically for the last like three hundred years. So, it's and that was made for farmers because yes, so they could know what to expect during yep. the, the the during the season. Yeah. So yeah, speaking of daylight savings, I am an hour ahead, so I'm speaking yes. to you from the future. Uh, we don't do daylight savings here because the sun cycles never change. It's always yep. 12 hours of sunlight, 12 hours of evening. Yeah. So uh, constantly and there's, stays you know, the different same. countries don't do daylight savings time. There's some states that don't do daylight savings time. Yeah. Um, I know that when my I know Indiana doesn't do daylight savings time. So. That's I don't think definitely. Arizona does either. Right. It's some of the smaller states that didn't have big agriculture communities because daylight savings time was an agricultural thing. Um, 
Well, let me ask you a question, Lou. As a farmer, do you find it helpful? Yeah, it doesn't do matter. Daylight say, no, right. I didn't think so. Because I'm it thinking it's an outdated concept. It's a completely outdated concept. You know what I mean? So there's no yeah. reason really to go back and forth. It's a, it's a totally American thing. It is what it is. And like you said, it was made for farmers. So they had that extra hour of daylight during the yeah. summer, which is their growing season. So, Joe, have you had any good smoke sessions this week? I had one the other night, which was pretty nice. Yes, after work, uh, I did. I uh, had a nice smoke session with some friends of mine. Uh, nice. I've been uh, kind of cutting down on my cannabis usage, mainly because of uh, lack of availability. But oh, I, haven't, I have an order coming in this week, so we'll be fine. Oh, man. We'll be fine. Um, we'll you know, fine. the way it does, the way life does. Um, now, speaking of the fall and harvest, we have a big event coming up this weekend. We do. At the DCU Center, correct? We do. And besides that, besides it being the Harvest Cup, which if anybody has ever been there, it's a great event to go to, meet people. Um, they have a, a great competition up there for uh, edibles, flour, concentrates. And you can always find the best quality stuff up there in Massachusetts. Um, so that's for this weekend over at the DCU Center up in Worcester, right? Yes. Um, and another auspicious event. And we want to give a big shout out to our girl, Janet McAllister, who is actually the hippie chick, is actually having her wedding at the Harvest Cup. A Grateful Dead Union. It's amazing. So that's one of those things that I think that community, the actual full scale of the idea of what, you know, between businesses and small businesses, people looking to do legal and entrepreneurially and people that take care of each other. They have a great boutique out there in Maine. Um, she is somebody who you've seen throughout the community forever. Yes. Just before we were there. So she's been her entire life. This is her way of life. And now, and she was a widow. Right. So now she did find love through cannabis and the people around her and everything else that comes with Cody's a really great dude. And they have grown and everybody around has watched it. And, you know, nobody's super well off and it's nice to be able to do things around and have all their friends. And the Harvest Cup has been friends, really been friends for a long time. Um, and people yeah. become families and, you know, those friendships continue to expand no matter how big they get. And they've always kept that idea. And it's really cool to see this going on and to, to take part or see it and then see how it could be special is really awesome. And, you know, big shout out to them as always. They're a huge supporter of us. We're a big supporter of them. Yeah. And she does have that great boutique and she puts us some really, really good products some really good cbd products and quick plug you can get them at the cbd seller in guilford which is my brother's store i wanted to to give him a shout out too i love Uh, it they carry the hippie chick stuff at my urging and uh, he says it does very well up there so uh, if you want to get some of her stuff you can visit the cbd seller in uh, guilford but um so, yeah, I hope everybody goes up. I don't know if you're going up or not, maybe for a day. I'm just going to stop up on Saturday, say hello, kind of walk around, pay my respects, and 
Mosey well, we were at the first one. I Very remember nice. that distinctly. It was yeah. actually founded by our good friend Peter Bernard, correct? The group, the whole group there. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. And is he still involved in it? I don't know. Yeah, but it was his concept and, and he put it together with a couple partners. And I think it's a great idea to have an event that is focused on the plant. You know, the, the competition is the main focus of the Harvest Cup, not, oh, yeah. you know, there's vendors there and there's good networking going on, but it's, it's mainly focused around that competition. So, and I know you were a judge this year, so I'm sure you, good time. you know, you know, what's, uh, what very you excited voted to go for. up and very excited to meet more people and very excited yeah. about this event. This is one of those yearly things we look yep. forward to and. It's a good treat right before the holiday season. So, yep. And yes. some good news on the Connecticut front. Uh, that lawsuit is finally over. The 11 cannabis companies uh, that were contesting the uh, decision by that outside organization uh, have now been approved for stage one. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct from what we've seen out there. Um. Now people are just going through background checks. Right. And then they got to do the second phase, right? Yeah. So the way that that'll work is um, you go through the first check, which was the part that just got finished last week, and then background check, and then pay the fee, and then move on. That would get you a provisional license. Then we have the the applicant that was got through that part has 14 months from your provisional license to be operational with something to sell so that you can get your final license. That should be plenty of time, right? Oh, no. no, that's all for a year. Um, zoning took us six months. Wow. So we couldn't do anything for six months. Wow. Just wow. sitting there saying, right. And when would one start their construction after you get the provisional license? Is that kind of the go point or do you want to wait till the third step to um, you get your actual license? No, you have to be able to sell when you after get your the provision. You have to be built out. Yeah. So go time is, is as soon as you get approved for that provisional. As soon as you get approved for that provisional. That's right. Right. And I think there were 27 all together now? I believe so. Some, something in that realm. And then I don't know how many got past the, I don't know how many were awarded their provisional though. Yeah. Well, so far I've only heard of one. Correct. I've only heard of one as well. Yeah. So, so we, we still got a way to go, but it looks like there's progress. And I saw the names of the companies and congratulations. Um, I don't see any MSO companies in here, so that's a good, except for one. That's a good. Uh, that's a good sign, you know. Hopefully, with that many new cultivators, Connecticut will finally get some variety in its cannabis. You know, oh, there's going to be variety, all right, with 27 new producers, right? Which is a good thing. Yeah, which is all a good thing. I'm just. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised how long it took to get all this done. Um, But it has taken quite a while to, uh, you know, get this whole process 
in place. It's been over a year, and it wasn't until even after a year that they started uh, actually giving out, you know, giving licenses out and things like that. So if you were to guess, what would you say is the estimated time that we will have legal sales here in Connecticut? I can't guess anything nowadays. I've been wrong so many times at this point. (laughs) This is true. Me too. I said Um, by the beginning of next year, and it doesn't look like that's going to be happening. So when will they be good cannabis for sale in Connecticut legally? Well, yeah, they already have the medical, but no idea. Let's be real. Right. Um, When will there be cannabis for sale legally in Connecticut? Sooner than later, the established providers are going to have market advantage because they got, because they were able to pull that out of their hat. Um, So as long as they're able to trans, as long as they're able to open up and finish up the paperwork for the hybrid version, Mm -hmm. they should be able to start selling because it's just a tax difference ultimately. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. So... Have any of those uh, large companies, our, our four established growers, uh, received their uh, hybrid licenses? I believe that they all have. And, and I also believe the equity joint ventures have opened up. And I believe that um, I could be wrong again, but I'm pretty sure all of these are going. And then the hybrid dispensaries, because all, all we need for legal sales is a hybrid dispensary to be approved, construction completed. Zoning completed, um, approval again by the state, and then they can open their lines because it's just a tax difference. Right. During that time frame, they would separate their inventory from what they have established by the established growers, and they would have to purchase extra from a licensed cultivator with the adult use side um, license. So at that point, the market advantage would go to the medical providers that did a hybrid then the hybrid dispensaries that are already in place, they would just open up. So I think it's just up to due process now. So every time there's a question, it takes another month. So it's hard to say when it happens. Yeah. It's more like sit around and wait and then uh, it'll happen when it happens. I mean, we have no control over it. So we only have control over our own actions. If you do have a problem with that, Call your call your legislator. Make a little noise. Do what you do. I I would expect that this legislative session that I would hope that all the activists in Connecticut who's ever left would get together and join together and go, you know, talk to the legislators about changing the way this is done because that lottery was a farce, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we can leave it at that and bring on our guest because our guest is here. Yeah. So we have with us today Mr. Brian Assenter. 
He's an RPH and he's a diplomat of medical cannabinoid science. He's a graduate of Northwestern University, pharmacist, a pharmacist and a cannabis pharmacist in the Connecticut Medical Marijuana Program since 2015. So he's been there since the beginning. Brian founded MM Consult CT in 2018, where he counsels patients on the effects and side effects of medical cannabis, possible interactions with other medications and consults for businesses. Brian also works for John Patrick University and the Institute of Cannabinoid Medicine, uh, where he teaches classes for their diplomat medical cannabinoid science program. Brian has been a strong voice advocating for medical cannabis patients and equality and equity in the cannabis industry at the local, state, and national levels. Brian, how are you today? Good afternoon, Joe. Lou, how's it going? Doing well, guys. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. It has been a while. I think the last time I saw you was the last time I was home. <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Very good. So uh, I'm very interested, well, you know, in a few things, but um, the first thing is you've been a pharmacist in the Connecticut Medical Marijuana um, Program. Pretty much since the beginning, right? Yeah, I think I started about eight, nine months in after it, it had opened. So yeah, pretty much from the beginning. And you started over at CCC, which was yep. my first dispensary. I think that's where I absolutely first met you. Yep, you were the absolutely. pharmacist there. And John Watkins was the uh, PR guy, the intake guy. Yeah. Uh, and a lady named Angela owned it. And um so now, what do you see? You see, you're still working in uh, in as a pharmacist part time. Mm-hmm. Besides all the school stuff you do, what do you see the difference in the program since you started and to today? Um, the availability of product is grown significantly. I mean, the diversity, the availability, all of that. I mean, that was a major problem for a long time that we couldn't even get enough product to, you know, satisfy the the customers, the patients that we did have. Um, so that's really not an issue. The, you know, the, the potency has gone up significantly. I, I think we've seen that with time, the producers have really, put in some effort and, and tried to do a lot better with their product. I think that, you know, you're, you're dealing with commercial scale grows. So not everything is going to be perfect or easy or any of those kind of things. But I, I think they've really improved their transparency from what they were in the beginning. I mean, even the idea of, you know, I know everybody wants to talk about the mold issues and everything else, but the fact that you have access to these COAs and everything else that people didn't even really have access to for many years is, you know, another big thing that they're doing to allow patients to see, you know, what is actually in these products that they're offering and everything too. Yes, please. Take mushrooms. So. Oh, you took mushrooms? <laughs> no, no. When we talk about like the, the whole jump down people's throat for the hot topic that's on the internet right now i take i take mushrooms so i understand where we're at with this i, I you know certain fun guys are good certain fun guys are bad but there's so much in the air and testing doesn't go all the right way and oh 
Yeah. Here we have a little uh, background noise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I do want to say, you know, you've been in the game for a while now, Brian, and you've gotten to see a little bit of everything. And now with it going legal and we're just talking about the availability, we're talking about how people have kicked their game up. I truly believe. Oh, we're all. You're muted, Lou. Hey, I'm super excited. I just want to continue talking about how I'm excited about you saying that things will have kicked the game up either way. But coming from there, we still have uh, it's, it's probably kids are behaving in That's why we love it. Um, it all works out together. What I was saying with the new amount of providers that are coming into the state, um, not only have the current providers, as you said taking the positions, they're doing what they're trying to do, they're trying to pick their game up, but now we're going to have more providers start fresh. The variety is going to be, the variety is going to be crazy, you know? I think uh, that's, that's what, that's much better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I, I think that's what a lot of people are really looking forward to. I mean, I know personally that's, you know, the idea that we're going to have food and beverage manufacturers coming on, yeah. you know, that alone opens up so many different possibilities that we didn't have in the program before, whether it was, you know, restrictions from DCP or, or the, you know, the other companies just not willing to make certain things or whatever, because it wasn't, you know, financially viable for them. But I, I think you're absolutely right because the the addition of these new growers, you're going to see a lot more craft cannabis coming in, which I think excites a lot of the people that have a clue that aren't, you know, looking for just your your medical cannabis. I think that really is, is something that patients have been wanting and asking for for a long time. Um, and that is, I think, a lot of what's driving the, the current producers that we have because they know darn well that once these craft growers come in and they're really specific about their, you know, their craft and what they do and, and how well these buds are going to be. And it might not be on the commercial scale that they're doing that they can really bring a, an amazing product to the market that is not available, you know, nationally, whether it's, you know, the genetics or the type of product or something like that. So I, I think that's what a lot of patients are excited for. The only thing is, I don't know, a lot of that's going to be geared towards your recreational side. So right. Like and that's kind of, that, that was going to be the next part we kind of, I was going to jump into because I know we talk a lot about the patient and the, what part of that part is, but now we're looking at it in the scope of adult use. It's, a, it's, you know, yes, every all cannabis is medicine. Every cannabis user is a patient taking care of some type of ailment to take care of something. But sometimes somebody wants to smoke a joint and enjoy it. And the option for those items are, are going to really come up. And as you mentioned, one of those licenses that I'm really interested in is, is the food and beverage manufacturer. That's a that's an entire market segment that hasn't been served in the state on the legal side at all. Edibles is a huge part of the market in in the in the legacy side and in other states, but in our state, it's pretty stringent. It's not the biggest thing because there aren't producers that are doing this specifically. You know, if you're looking at the four big producers, they're doing their flour, so now you got to handle all of that. Then it's being processed out then it's being turned into some type of byproduct, then it gets down to the edible stage. 
you know, are they going to run 15 different edibles? Who knows? I don't, I, I actually don't keep up with all that for them, but I don't think there's 15 edibles from the same company kind of pushing out like that. You know what I mean? But once yeah. we get, once we get these food and beverage manufacturers, you're going to have somebody coming in with, this is our product marketing, the entire line of what it is, the, the data behind it, the science behind it. This is why we do five milligrams versus 15 milligrams. This is why it's not a hundred milligram, you know, they have the idea of what market segment they're looking to satisfy. And it's not, you know, and that's where you make those decisions. I've, and now as we're exploring more and more, the delivery methods are also really interesting that are starting to come out. You know, uh, I was at a thing and doing a dropper and a dedicated dosing, a micro dosing dropper bottom. We are having... Um, so, so today's like our first day back in the studio. We'll show that disclaimer, right, Joe? Yeah, it's the Harry's first day back in the studio, and there's obviously some crossed wires somewhere uh, because there's music playing in the background, uh, and it's very annoying. Now it's off again. Let's hope we can keep it off. But anyway, Brian, what I wanted to ask you is, do you think uh, I mean, I'm sure, obviously, as a pharmacist, you deal with the producers uh, directly. You're the guy who orders the medical cannabis. Do you think with the advent of this new market coming in, the new adult use market, that they will be forced to step up their game or lose quite a bit of market share? Um, that's an interesting question, and, and I think that by the, the way the market was set up, the answer is no. I, I, don't, I think, if anything, they're actually incentivized to not step up their game because of the caps and THC content that are on the adult use market side. So it's not like they can just take all of their, their knowledge and their skill that they've been honing over the last few years. I mean, if you look at a lot of the majority of the flower products that we have on our menu are well above 30%. I mean, you know, if we have maybe 10, 15% of our menu has, you know, below 30% THC. So I think that limits the the growth in the industry and, and how people are really able to, you know, perfect that craft and get the best quality product that they want. That includes your vapes that are capped at, at 300 milligrams per vape cartridge and everything too, that, you know, how do they make it a volume that's worth it? I mean, 300 milligrams could be, you know, 0.3 mLs, it could be 0.4, it could be 0.25, depending on the potency. So those kind of things, you know, and then do they fill it with, you know, a flavoring agent or whatever else to get there. So, you know, th those are a lot of the concerns that I have that I feel like it actually stifles the innovation. It, it slows down how well that they can, how much they can improve these products from the ones that are there. Now, I think you have very different motivations from the new people coming into just because they really want to, you know, market the best possible product that they can. And, and I think especially, you know, we keep coming back to the food and beverage, but that's just a completely untapped area right now that these people have an opportunity to really perfect something that hasn't been perfected in the program so far and, and offer products that are, are really in demand, but haven't been offered for one reason or another. So, um, you know, the, the medical side can still have max potencies and everything too. So I think there is still a reason for them to keep pushing the envelope with that. But I think 
currently, I don't think they're really incentivized to do that. I think if things change, they will be. But why do you want to grow something that's 40% when you can't sell it to the majority of your market? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, we'll have to just wait and see how it all plays out. Me and Lou were discussing, you know, it's going to be a while till the adult use sales come in. I mean, the thing I think is the most uh, that I'm looking forward to most is the whole delivery thing. So, I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's a big step for Connecticut. And I think it's great. But, you know, we were talking about cannabinoids and I'm very interested to hear about uh, the Institute of Cannabinoid Medicine and all that, all the work you're doing as far as teaching. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you guys know it's always been about the education for me and making sure that everybody has an idea of what they're doing, what they're getting themselves into, how to use it, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and one of the biggest you know, places where there's just missing information, not even bad information, but just missing is amongst your healthcare providers, the people that right. we go to expecting that they're going to have a clue, you know, some idea as to what to do when they go into a dispensary and they don't, they, they just, they don't get taught it in school or anything else. So they have to kind of go out and find it. Um, you know, JPU, we have a master's program in uh, integrative and functional medicine with a concentration in cannabis medicine, which I'm actually going to take that right now. But we also have the Institute of Cannabinoid Medicine, which is a complete spinoff. Um, it's really geared towards healthcare professionals. So, you know, doctors, nurses, psychologists, you know, anybody in the healthcare field that wants to, you know, have that certification in cannabis, just like, you know, you might have uh, your doctor certified as a diabetes expert or an HIV expert. So if you're diabetic and you go to that doctor, you know that they are very competent in what they're talking about. They can have a very detailed conversation with you and you can be comfortable that, you know, they are educated, you know, to, to have those conversations and you don't have to go to say an endocrinologist or something like that. This is the same thing. It's, it's a, you know, another, certificate for the doctors to hang on their wall so that the patients see it and know that, you know, hey, listen, they are educated on cannabis. They do accept cannabis as medicine as well, um, so that it's it's an open space for them to be comfortable and have that conversation with somebody. And, you know, the hopefully the, the clinicians themselves can actually have a conversation with the patient as opposed to, we'll just go talk to the dispensary and they'll tell you what to do. Because, you know, they go to talk to the people at the dispensary and, and if you're meeting somebody at the front counter, they're not really the most knowledgeable on how to help somebody medically. And, you know, a lot of times they want to hear it from their doctor. Well, my doctor said, well, my doctor said, you know, if your doctor's saying, we want to make sure that your doctor has, you know, a, a good place to be giving you that information from and not some soccer mom blog that they read online somewhere. So, you know, this way we know that, you know, they, they went to an accredited, um, you know, certificate program. It's a hundred hour program. So it's not, you know, a typical, yeah, a lot of them are, you know, 10, 20 hours, something like that. This is a full hundred hour program um, that we really grow, you know, from, from soup to nuts with everything. I mean, you know, from the very beginning to, you know, with, uh, just the strains themselves, cannabinoids, all the way into the biochemistry and how it's working and the enzymes that are breaking down, you know, how the endocannabinoids work and everything too, and including how it's going to interact with other medications, other conditions that you're dealing with, all of those kind of things that would really be relevant to your healthcare professionals. Um, But, you know, especially with adult use coming, it's not so much about them having to have the conversations with patients, but, you know, understanding that patients are going to be using this 
not medically and and there could be potential implications for that and they need to be aware of what those implications are you know and and not freak out and discharge their patient and tell them they got to go somewhere else or something they they need to be prepared for that and and make the necessary adjustments to their their therapy yeah right i mean because a lot of people don't understand like uh for different conditions you would use a different ingestion method for the cannabis. So like if you had a digestive issue, it would probably be better for you to do something that you ingest, either an edible or or tincture. Um, Whereas in some cases, smoking it may not be applicable. It may not even be good. You know, it may even be harmful. And, and I think it's important for people, you know, to realize that it's not just about smoking cannabis if you want to use it medicinally and really uh, work with some of your conditions that you may have, that you need to know not only the right way, but the proper dosage. You know, how many times a day should you take it? When should you do it? In the morning and in the night? Um, because there is a difference between using cannabis medicinally and using it recreationally. I mean, it's not about rolling up a blunt, sitting down with your friends and, and catching a movie. It's more about, you know, loves of smoking a blunt with my friends. Part of it, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, true. True. Well, that's different, though. That is your recreational use. But however, we all we always know uh, that um, no matter how you're using it, you're still getting the benefits of all the different cannabinoids that uh, are in the plant. So um, and I think that's important. And you do that work not only by teaching at the Institute and at the college, but also uh, in your consulting business. True. Brian, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, Brian's an OG. He's got the street creds. And that's the one thing that we make sure that, that we like having people around doing this. Um, I would like for you to shout out what dispensary you are at. Hopefully we are Listeners will come by also. This is a New Haven-based station. So knowing that we, we make sure we use New Haven locals, you know, these are experts in your area. If you're a medical patient, you can literally go make an appointment and see somebody like Brian right down the road, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm actually in Stanford at Fine Fettle now. Um, I'm not working in New Haven at Affinity anymore, but, uh, you know, either way. I'm still I can out the loop. I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries, man. A lot of stuff's been changing. But the, regardless, you know, for patients, the, the one thing that is great about Connecticut is, you know, everybody gets their meds from the same companies and they can all obtain the same meds. So if you're going to a dispensary and you're not able to get the information or the questions answered that you're looking for, I can answer your questions anyway. You know, we can do this outside of the dispensary and, and I can help walk you through their online menu and get them taken care of accordingly. So, you know, that's really why I started the consulting business, because there are a lot of patients that still have questions, have questions before they even get involved in the program as to whether or not it's appropriate. Should they just wait for adult use or, you know, uh, what have you, or, you know, what delivery methods are necessary, what cannabinoids are appropriate to be using when all of those kind of things. So, um, you know, I, I can answer all those questions for patients as well. Do it, you know, if, if they have them, if they want to contact me, they can reach me through mmconsultct.com. 
um, you know, and, and I'm happy to, to help them answer any of those questions or maybe find, a, you know, some different options that might help take care of their symptoms a little bit better as well. Great. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. And again, like Lou said, you're an OG. You've been around since the beginning of the medical program. Uh, and I think when you walked in, you didn't know as much about cannabis as you do now, correct? It's been an education <laughs> process over the last seven years for yourself as well. That is putting it very politely. And and, and I think, <laughs> honestly, but I, I really truly believe that my innocence and, and naivete, I guess, coming into the industry and, and willingness to learn is probably the thing that has brought me the farthest. And one of the reasons why I think you guys kind of accepted me as well, because, you know, I'm not a pharmacist trying to tell you everything because I know everything, because what I have learned is I don't know nearly as much as I need to about cannabis at this point, even having gone through all of the education and everything, but it's, it's trial by fire. And, and the one thing that I've really learned more than anything is whatever you think you know today is probably going to be different tomorrow. So, you know, it's constant learning. That, and, and that's one of the reasons I love teaching in the education end of things is, is this is cutting edge research. They're doing this. This information yeah. is coming out daily that, you know, they're coming out with new research papers, new documentation of how cannabis can help and how it works and everything too. So, you know, you really get to be on that cutting edge of, of everything and, and being in the education space allows me to be on top of the new research coming out and everything too, and, and be able to provide patients with the most recent information regarding all cannabinoids, delivery methods, and, and you know, why they would be appropriate or not. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring that up when we first started. I mean, as far as everyone was concerned, there was two cannabinoids, THC <laughs> and CBD, right? And now, I mean, I'm looking at all the diff because they've learned to isolate the different cannabinoids and what they are beneficial for. So you now have THC Delta 8. You have now you have something called HHC. Am, am I correct nope. about that? And then Delta 10 now. This is something completely new. There's THCO too. That's even yeah. stronger than both of them. I mean, it's, yeah. it's crazy what they're doing to chemically manipulate all of these. And so those are naturally occurring cannabinoids, but at extremely low percentages in nature, they're you know, using chemicals to convert the, these cannabinoids into your, your Delta 8, Delta 10, THCO, all of these different things that can be really dangerous. I mean, for me, honestly, one of the things I think about all the time I go back to is I remember le reading some labels in the beginning and seeing THCA. And I'm like, what the hell is THCA? Why would they put that in here? Nobody wants that. That doesn't get you high or anything. And now I'm one of the biggest advocates of THCA there is. That's one of the ways that I really like to, to help patients medicate because of the, you know, the anti-inflammatory effects, the lack of the intoxicating effects and everything. And I mean, you know, there, there's so much more and, and so many more of the cannabinoids that you can really, you know, CBN is another one. Right. All the CBs, right. That yeah, they've come up know, with CBG. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and I mean, if you come into this, just thinking, you know, everything, you're not willing to open yourself up to all these new things coming out and, and you know, what things are working differently and might be better or why something really was effective that we didn't necessarily recognize previously. So, you know, those are the things that, that I really enjoy about it, but it's, you know, it's funny how far you, when you, when I think back to when I started and how little of a clue that I really had, and, and that was a big ego check for me too, 
but uh, it's it's really made this process so much more fun because being open about my lack of knowledge, the, the patients were so happy to help have those conversations with me and, and help educate me. And, and we really went through the whole process together. And, and I really just felt like it helped me connect with a lot of my patients on, on a certain level as well, because I, I went through the exact same learning process they were going through with it. Right. Right. And sometimes you even learn from your patients, right? You know, they, they, they come in and tell you stuff that you didn't know. And I, I think that I think that's how it works. You know, it is a direct exchange of information between the patient and the pharmacist. Um, now, one thing I have noticed about all med- not only just medical cannabis, but cannabis in general, and this is coming from a guy who started smoking in the 70s, right? Um, that the focus tends to be more on the THC. Uh, than the CBD or then the balance between the two in the actual flower. I think a lot of the difference between, let's say, what I was smoking in the 70s and 80s uh, between what uh, is available now is the fact that the stuff that you were getting back in the 70s and 80s was like pure right off the right off the bush with seeds, stems, and it had the natural balance, whatever natural balance of THC and CBD were in there. The levels may not have been as high as they are now, but it had a better balance, which made it a different, a different um, effect, let's say, than, than it is now. And do you think from a medical standpoint that, the, that there should be more balanced type of flower than just THC, 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 the highest level you can get, you know, because as we know, both cannabinoids are very medically beneficial. And to pull CBD out of a plant that is naturally occurring in there, and do you think that's detrimental at all to uh, medical cannabis? Would you like to see more products with a a better balance in them? Because I certainly would. I couldn't possibly agree more with everything that you've just said. I mean, the bottom line, the bottom line it comes down to is demand and is, are these products profitable? Um, because you are completely right. The, the potencies of THC has gone up um, and, and, you know, they've obviously tried to eliminate the CBD because it doesn't get you high. It might take away some of the high and all of these kind of things. Whereas, you know, medicating is truly using both of them together, making sure that, you know, we talk about whole plant all the time, right? right? Whole like plant. That's, that's what we're always all talking about is whole plant. And yet, you know, then we turn around and we only want THC when it's time to smoke or whatever, because that gets you the highest. Well, medicating is a completely different ball game. You know, when you're, when you talk about recreational use, you're, you're using cannabis for the side effects. You're, you're looking to get high, you're looking to get you know, lightheaded, dizzy, drowsy kind of a feeling, take those, you know, aches and pains away, that kind of a thing. The the true medical benefits of cannabis, when you're talking about pain relief, anxiety relief, stuff like that, are really in doses around two and a half to five milligrams. I mean, if you're medicating, you shouldn't notice that it's really affecting you, right? Like it shouldn't be like, oh, okay, there's my medication working for me now. You should be able to go on about your life and just be good, 
just be, right. you know, whatever, calmer, in less pain, whatever it happens to be. And if you're getting those side effects, like, for instance, you know, you get a, a Vicodin or a Percocet, you know, those first couple are rough. It, it's just going to, you know, put have you put out you of out. it. You, yeah. you build up a bit of a tolerance to that over time. But part of that is because that, you know, that opiate end of things is too much. You really don't need that much if you're getting that much of a side effect from it. You know, you probably need more anti-inflammatories than you do opiates. Now, you know, everybody's situation is a little bit different. That's a, a whole other conversation. Yeah. But when you're talking about medicating, you know, you really have to get to the bottom of what is the patient talking about? Like, what are they looking for relief of? Because if it's a patient that's in pain, then I'm looking for more one-to-one CBD, THC, maybe even higher CBD. But if we're talking about a PTSD patient, that's maybe a veteran or somebody else that their whole point is they need to forget these thoughts that they have going on and, and they really need that to go away so that they can, they can function. Then maybe something that's higher THC is, is a little bit more appropriate for them because they're, they're looking to get away from those thoughts. And, and that's a whole different conversation too. So I think that 95% of our patients would be best served on multiple cannabinoids, just like they would on multiple different delivery methods, because, you know, every day is different. We, our, our anxiety levels are different. Our pain is different. Our, our, you know, all of that is different depending on the weather or whatever it happens to be. So having the ability to adjust what you use, when you use it, how you use it is just as important as the rest of it, I think, too. And having those different cannabinoids really gives you so much more ammunition to, to help whatever your symptoms are for that day. Yeah. So would you ever recommend to a patient that not only should they be taking medical cannabis, but they should maybe be supplementing a little bit with CBD as well, because there's tons of CBD products out there. Um, whether it be CBD flour, CBD concentrates, and now with all the, you know, there's CBN, CBG, all the different, would you suggest to somebody like, depending on what they're, they're suffering from that, Hey, okay, this, this, you know, this medical cannabis would be good for you. However, I think you should supplement with some, a certain amount of CBD as well. I've had a few patients that I've just recommended CBD over the counter for. Um, I mean, I think a big part of that and, and a big part of the reason that patient come to me as well is that, you know, you see the CBD over the counter at the, you know, gas station, grocery store, what have you. And they're like, is that any good? Can I use that? And you're like, no, like that's a big part of it is making sure that you have reputable brands, just like, you know, when we're making recommendations in the dispensary, you want to make sure that, you know, you're going to give them a quality product that has what it says it has in it. And, you know, not have them getting some crazy side effects because it had, you know, heavy metals and THC in there that it wasn't supposed to have, it wasn't listed. So having a few products that I recommend, I am very happy to just recommend CBD products to patients. And I, a lot of patients have gotten more benefit than they ever anticipated that way. A lot of it is they don't understand how to dose appropriately when to dose it. And, and they're just afraid. They've heard so many different stories and, you know, they just want somebody to that, you know, they can rely upon to give them information. And, and I think that, you know, it's not appropriate for everybody to have THC. I mean, some people THC can really put them in a bad place. It's paranoid. Yeah. It can make people paranoid. Yeah. 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 And Absolutely. you need to know that before you start using it, because that'll turn a lot of people away from it. You know, if they try it one time, and they get paranoid or whatever, they have a bad experience, they're not going to try it again. 
you know, right. it's going to make them very wary. And then they're going to go back to their opioids. And, and one of the things that I think, you know, I used to also work in a medical marijuana doctor's office, and I used to speak to the patients, you know, uh, quite a bit. A lot of people are using cannabis to wean themselves off opioids or um, like Xanax and things like that. And I think, uh, do you believe that cannabis could actually supplant opioids as far as a pain reliever or as far as a remedy um, at some point? And obviously it's better for you. It doesn't cause the damage to your body that opioids do. And, um, you know, I noticed a lot of people had success and people would come to me, you know, get their, 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 uh, you know, recommendation and then come back a year later for the renewal. And they would say, wow, you, you know, they would tell me that within that year's period of time, they got off opioids because yep. they started using the cannabis. So I think, you know, what we're doing out here is really trying to, like you say, educate the public and educate the patients on, you know, the benefits and also remove the stigma because that stops a lot of people from even trying it. You know, they're, they're just afraid. They'd rather do what the doctor says. And I love what you're doing over there, training doctors. So this time, maybe the doctor will actually say, use cannabis, you know, because I still hear stories of people telling me, even my sister, I helped her get her medical card in New York. She says, like, my doctor is really, really against this. He says, no, 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 completely. And she went against his wishes and she got off all of her antidepressants. And she says, I'm happy with the cannabis, you know, and it's, you know, I, I consulted her on what to use, you know, not don't smoke it she's taking edibles, you know, she uses uh, edibles and gummies and things like that. And, you know, so these are the kind of stories that I love to hear. Um, do you find that doctors now uh, with your program, you're getting um, a good response from doctors coming in and wanting to learn? Or do you find that the medical community is a little bit more open now to it? Absolutely. I think with the amount of research that's come out in just even the last five years or so has been so significant. Um, the fact that it has been legalized for adult use in so many places, even just here within New England, that, you know, every one of these doctors now knows somebody probably within their family or a friend or somebody who's gone to a dispensary somewhere and they realize that, you know, it's not the most evil thing in the world. But I, I think a big part of it, um, and, you know, you mentioned the opiates. And, and for me, that's always been, you know, somewhere that I want to go because I, I worked in the pharmacy through the majority of the, the opiate crisis and everything. And then in 2016, when Connecticut changed all their prescribing regulations for how opiates could be prescribed, we had a lot of patients that were getting 360 plus pills a month that immediately got cut down to like 240 and they had nowhere to go. They were just said, sorry, this is all we can do. So they're like, I need something else. A lot of them went and got their, their medical card and came to us. And, uh, you know, they were at that point very motivated to get off of their opiates because, you know, they already started to detox. They know what that was. And, you know, now they can legally use cannabis, which, 
most of them felt was a better pain reliever anyway, but they couldn't tell their, their pain management doctor they were using it because they discharged well, yeah, them. Yeah, they would discharge them right away, right? Exactly. So, you know, they would now had a, a, what they were seeing as like a free pass to get off of their opiates. And, you know, not everybody's going to get off of opiates and, and that's okay, but they can get them to a reasonable dose that right. they're not completely, you know, zooted out of their mind all the time and unfunctional and not present and having all kinds of other personal issues from it too. And, and I think that's really where a lot of the patients appreciated that was they were able to, you know, be, present in their life and, and be an active participant in their life again and, and not just sit there and you know watch everything happen while they're in a coma because of all Doped the pills up. they're on right right and even yep. antidepressants you know you can actually get substitute cannabis for antidepressants that's actually the reason why they approved it for ptsd not mm -hmm. necessarily you know what i mean it's to get you off the antidepressants and i always used to tell my patients that Yes, this cannabis is going to help, but if you have a therapist or if you don't have a therapist, you should go get one because Absolutely. you need to deal with the root cause, the actual trauma. It's, it's fine to shut off the thoughts in your head, but that trauma is still in there, you know, in your mind and in your heart. And it's important that people understand that just because you're taking cannabis for PTSD, and I've seen so many people you know, oh, I have PTSD. Well, aren't you on cannabis? Yes. Well, then go to a therapist too, because you mm -hmm. want to deal with the cause, you know, not just the symptom. And I think that's important for people to understand that it's, it's a two pronged with, 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 with PTSD and anxiety. It's, it's a two pronged thing. You take, you know, you get on cannabis, but you also need to deal with the trauma through a therapist or counseling or whatever you want to do. Hypnosis. I don't care what you do, but you got to deal with the trauma. And I'm sure you inform patients of that, you know, because uh, that's an important part of it. And if they don't, I mean, you know what it's like when they over consume and everything too, and they're not dealing with this, it can end up in a very bad situation. You know, I mean, too much THC is what leads to paranoia. If you're already in a very, you know, anxious state and dealing with a lot of negative thoughts and everything, and this is the only way that you can do that. I mean, you're not, like you said, it's, it's like, you know, when you take an, an opiate for pain, you're not dealing with what's causing that pain. You're just numbing the pain so you don't feel the pain. That pain is just going to come back again if you haven't dealt with the cause of the pain itself. Right. Same idea in PTSD. If you're not, you know, you can get rid of, you can shut off those thoughts for a temporary part of time. But if you're not dealing with those issues, then, you know, you're just going to be in the same boat, going in the same circle, right. you know, for forever. So I couldn't agree more. And, and we make sure that, you know, look, you're seeing somebody, you're talking to somebody and, you know, I mean, the one weird thing about this is patients are the ones that decide what they're going to get. So I can have a conversation, you know, about all the different options that they should use. And then if they still want the 38%, you know, flower, then that's what they're going to get. And, right. you know, you can only do so much there, but, you know, you keep talking to them and over time, all right, let me try that next time. And, you know, they'll, they'll slowly dip their toe in the pond. And, and that's all we need is to just, you know, I'm, I'm going to use the pond, but you just plant that seed you know, and that's you know, it, it'll grow. <laughs> there we go. So listen, we're almost out of time. I wanted to give you a chance to tell people how they can get in touch with you for your consulting, where they can find you, uh, how they can maybe 
uh, get in touch with the Institute of Cannabinoid Medicine. Give us a little, you know, tell us, give us all your social media, all the contacts. Absolutely. I appreciate it. So um, it's mmconsultct.com is the website. Um, any of the socials, you can get me at mmconsultct. Uh, the Institute of Cannabinoid Medicine is just TIOCM.org. John Patrick University is JPU.org. Um, if anybody has any questions or anything, please let me know. I, if you're also looking to enroll in any classes, I can get you some discounts if you want to enroll oh, through me there as we well. Go. Uh, yep, absolutely. So, And this is virtual, yes? They don't have to go to a classroom, yeah. right? Correct. All online. Nobody has to go anywhere. Um, you know, it's all accredited and everything. So, you know, there, there's no worry about having to show up in Indiana for classes or anything like that. It's all sitting right in front of your computer. Wow, that's that's great. And any now you say it's focused on doctors and people in the medical profession, but can anybody take the courses? The, we do have some courses anybody can take, but the Institute of Cannabinoid Medicine courses are just for healthcare professionals. So you have to have okay. some sort of a healthcare degree, of, you know, and I mean, you're going from, you know, a social worker all the way up to PhDs and, you know, MDs and all that kind of stuff and everybody in between. There's, there's levels for all of it there. Right. So I'm hearing our music on the background, but it's not quite coming up in front. But that probably signals that we're done. Brian, thank you so much for coming on. Go visit Brian at Fine Fettle if you have time. And um, follow, like, share. Follow Brian, MM Consult CT. Follow us at Green Haven Media. Follow me at Joe the Wee Guy. Follow Lou at M Farmer Lou. And um, we'll see you all next week. And I know why, why, man? Yeah, hey, cause I got high, because I got high, because I got high. I was gonna go to class before I got high. Come on, y'all. Check it out. Uh, I could have cheated and I could have passed, but I got high. Uh, uh, I'm taking it next semester, and I know why, why, man? Yeah, hey, cause I got high, because I got high. Because I got high. Go to the next, go to the next, go to the next. Uh. I was gonna go to court before I got high. Uh. I was gonna pay my child support, but then I got high. No, you wasn't. Uh. They took my whole paycheck, and I know why. Why, Because I got high. La 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 da da.
I'ma stop singing this song because I'm high. I'm singing this whole thing wrong because I'm high. And if I don't sell one copy, I don't know why. Why? Yeah, because I'm high. Because I'm high. Because I'm high. Are you really high? I don't Get jiggy with it. Skippity bee bop. <laughs>